Hi, this is Erin James Brown. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I serve as the interim site pastor at Urban Village Church, Edgewater. Urban Village Church does bold, inclusive, and relevant ministry for people who were traumatized by church, people who feel over-churched, and even the non-churched folks. If you identify with any of these signifiers, we're so glad you're listening. Would you consider helping us continue this Jesus-loving ministry in and across Chicago and over the internet? You can make a generous recurring gift by going to our website, urbanvillagechurch.org backslash give. And thanks for helping us with your ears, actions, and dollars to build up God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And now, here's the latest sermon. Today's reading. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to his chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip began to speak. And starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all of the towns until he came to Caesarea. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning. morning. My name is Kelsey Burns. I, my pronouns are she, hers, and hers. And I am your pastoral intern here at UVC Edgewater. I am so excited that I get to preach for you all this morning. I'm going to move this way a little bit, so not in the uh, glare of the projector. Uh, Welcome. Would you all pray with me? Loving and gracious God, be with us this morning. Let us feel the presence of your spirit. Let my words be glorifying to you and help all of us learn a little bit more about what it means to live our lives with you by our side. We pray all of this in your son's holy name. Amen. This morning, I get to preach the final sermon in our discernment series. Discernment, if you haven't been around, is a big word that means making time to make decisions. Aaron has talked to us in the last few weeks about trusting the Spirit to guide us, 
listening to what the spirit and our community has to say about our options, and last about paying attention and checking in that what we are deciding leads us towards love. Today is the final step in that process, which is actually making the decision. There's some beautiful irony that I am the one that gets to preach this sermon because I think I'm also preaching to myself because I am a very indecisive human. It has taken me all month to not decide on which internet plan I want to get while I continue to just cross my fingers and hoping that my last plan doesn't cut out on me. I take half the time of whatever I end up watching to choose what I want to watch on Netflix. And that's if I don't remember that I have access to Hulu and Prime Video and Stars and my DVD collection. Choices are overwhelming. Sometimes I am exhausted just by figuring out all of my options and being faced with the idea of having to choose one. We live in a society that gives us so many choices and convinces us that there is always more choices and there are always better to have more choices. We are inundated with ads that pretend like they are making our decision easier by throwing around the word best a lot, but really it just makes it all more confusing. AT&T has the best LTE network, whatever that is, but I can hear you now with the better coverage of Verizon, but now the Verizon guy is working for Sprint and I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> so what all do these bests mean anyway? We are told by all of these outside forces that there is always a best choice and a best deal, so you better choose it and you better make it. And that's for more than just internet plans and infomercial products. We are also told that about marriage and picking a job or a house to live in, a city to move to, whatever it may be. This amount of pressure on finding the one right choice makes it easy for us to want to avoid making decisions altogether. But that is not our reality. Choices aren't just the one best and all the rest are the worst. Many choices can be good and we can make many choices work for a good outcome. This is what discernment is all about, giving ourselves the time and being open to the guidance of the spirit in our community to make a decision so that we are not just being impulsive, but we're also not letting ourselves slip into indecision. This scripture this morning gives us two fantastic examples of discernment in Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. First, let me set the stage, because I realized when I started reading this story that I think I had combined it with the story of the Good Samaritan and the guy on the road there, so I just want to make it all clear for all of us. The Ethiopian eunuch, which I really wish I had a name for, but we don't, and we actually learn a lot from just this title. Ethiopian did not mean that this person was from a specific country, because Ethiopia did not exist yet, it really just meant that they were from Africa. So we know that they were black, which is a different ethnicity than Philip, obviously. They are someone who represents geographic and ethnic distance from the apostles and the early Christians, which makes this story pretty cool. It's bridging a gap between those two groups. We are also told that this person is a eunuch, which coincides with the job title they are given. They say, it says they are a court official of the African queen, head of her treasury, that's a pretty big deal. It was common then for high officials of royalty to be castrated. 
The idea was that the castration would make them more reliable servants because it would strip them of potential power and of family connections. It sounds really horrible. This was often done early in their life, and it would also affect their hormonal development. Thus, eunuchs were victims of sexual violence and became gender and, and sexual minorities. That being said, we do not know how they identified, so I am going to be using they-them pronouns as best as I can to refer to them. But I want to acknowledge that I may slip up, and I apologize for that right now. The story uses male pronouns, and I've been reading it all week. So I'm going to try really hard, though, to use they-them pronouns. Anyway, furthermore, they would have been affected by a religious law in Deuteronomy 23.1. It says, No one whose testicles are cut off or whose penis is cut off shall be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. So just because of the way their parts are and their hormones interact in their body, they were banned from religious participation and entering the temple. Spoiler alert, this story will be changing that for this Ethiopian eunuch. But unfortunately, this story is still very real for a lot of people today. The Ethiopian eunuch was of low social standing and was outcast from the community. That being said, they also, although low in social status, were high in social power because of their high position as a court official and being educated and literate. So they had higher standing in that way than Philip, which is an interesting interaction. Philip was of a small, rebellious religious movement that was facing increasing persecution. Christianity. One of his fellow apostles, Stephen, was recently stoned, and Philip had recently escaped Jerusalem at the risk of being imprisoned and surely did not have much to his name. This is not a Christian conversion story like we would hear it today. This is not someone with religious and social power holding it over someone below them. This is someone with little social power approaching someone very different than them. And he does not really know this person. Philip does not really know this person or really understand this person, but, but he knew that they were previously excluded and, telling, and he was telling them that they are included and loved by Christ. That's a pretty cool story. Upon my first reading, I thought that Philip was the one making all the cool decisions in this because he's the one that gets to talk to the spirit and that's pretty cool. But the Ethiopian official is also making some pretty important decisions. So to highlight this, I'm going to tell the story from each of their perspectives. First up is Philip. At this point, Philip has been going around to all the places preaching the good news of Jesus, baptizing people, and traveling all about. He was on his way back to Jerusalem, which, let's be real, he wasn't too excited about after the last time he was there. But, you know, that's where his buddies Peter and John were going, so, oh well, I guess he's going along. Suddenly, out of nowhere... This angel dude pops up and says, hey, go to this backcountry road between Jerusalem and Gaza. And poof, there the angel went. That was it. Philip was definitely confused, but hey, angels probably know what they're talking about, so he decided to go. He makes it to the road and realizes that he has no idea what he is looking for. Thanks, angel. So he meanders down the road. And that's when he sees this fancy chariot stopped on the shoulder of the road ahead of him, and that's when the Spirit spoke up again. Hey, the reason I sent you is over there. Go talk to that person. Ask if you can hitch a ride. Now, if Philip is anything like me, and I don't know, maybe some of you, Philip, Philip then had to like stand there a few moments, hyping himself up to go talk to this stranger. 
you know, he was standing far enough back. He didn't want to look creepy, but, you know, he's also, you know, starting to think through, okay, what can I say? I need to come up with a good first line. I need to be engaging. I need to make a good first impression. He rehearsed it a few times and then told himself to go, and he ran over to the chariot. And good news, this guy was reading from Isaiah. Hey, that's the same book that, that Philip reads. Good first starter conversation starter. Cool. Philip then nails it by asking the first thing he asks is, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Yikes. Rude. But all was not lost. They responded open for guidance and invited Philip to join them for their journey in their sweet ride. They read the scripture together and the Ethiopian asked him who this passage was talking about. And Philip saw the door open for the perfect chance to tell his new companion the good news about Jesus. Philip took the chance and told this Ethiopian eunuch, this person he knew had been excluded from the temple and from relationship with God for so much of his life. And he knew in that moment why the spirit had led him to that spot on the road. It was an opportunity to invite this Ethiopian eunuch into this new religious community that is centered on Jesus's love for all of creation. It was time to tear down a barrier that had been raised up by the traditional religious community. As they continued the journey, the Ethiopian saw some water and asked to be baptized. Philip knew that there was no precedence for this. This would be doing something new and radical from his Jewish roots. He didn't have the spirit in his ear to help him decide what to do on this one, but he knew it was right. So Philip baptized them, and Philip had fulfilled his task, and so the Spirit moved him along to the next thing, and Philip kept doing what he does best, sharing the news about Jesus. Now for the Ethiopian eunuch's perspective. This court official had gone to Jerusalem to worship, where they likely were not allowed into the temple. They would have known this going in, but still saw value in making the journey to be near this important religious center. I think that says a lot about who this person is. They were now on the road trip home, windows down, blasting tunes, snacking hard. They had stopped for a break and were reading some scripture, you know, like, like you do, right? Just on a road trip, just pull out your Bible and read some scripture on the road. Yeah. They knew how to, re- they knew how to read and understood the literal words on the page, but were struggling, honestly like me, to understand what this passage was all about. This dude suddenly jogged up to his chariot. He looked a little rough around the edges. It was definitely laundry day. And really, he must have been on the road for a while. He could use a shower. And then the first thing he asked was if they understood what they were reading. Uh, rude. Who just assumes that of someone? Especially if I'm sitting here reading it already. But they were having trouble understanding this passage They decided to take the humility route and admit to this stranger that they were unsure and could learn from someone else here. And they invited Philip to join in on the road trip. Along the way, Philip told them all about this cool Jesus dude who was born and preached a lot about some radical things and was killed, but then came back and told his followers to go out and spread the news. Philip told them that this God is who sent him back to to that backcountry road and that Jesus would love to be in relationship with them and include them in this new religious community. 
The eunuch heard this good news and felt its genuineness. They wanted to be a part of that new thing. They looked out the window and knew what they had to do. There was some water and they were going to be baptized. They asked Philip, what is to prevent me from being baptized right now? They waited with bated breath. This was the real test if Philip meant what he said about inclusion. And Philip said yes. And right then they both went down to the water and the Ethiopian eunuch, this black gender and sexual minority, this victim of sexual violence, this court official with power in this land was baptized. They were finally given membership into a community that would treat them as equally deserving of a relationship with God. They parted ways with Philip, but continued the journey home rejoicing. This conversion moment is particularly important because it is one of the first expansions of who could be welcomed into membership of the Christian community. It is also cool to hear about now because we know that Ethiopia ended up being one of the first countries to convert to Christianity and has some of the raddest churches built into rock and carved from one stone. Look it up, trust me, it's amazing. But also, quick side note, This here is the evidence that white people were not the ones to bring Christianity to Africa, just saying. Both of these individuals made a series of small and big decisions to bring us this story. It wouldn't have been a story at all if Philip hadn't followed the angel's request, but it also would not be a lasting testament to the ways that God's love is for all and that the law from Deuteronomy no longer stands to exclude gender and sexual minorities. These individuals were also aided by being bold and not drawing out their decisions past the point of rationality. If Philip had been indecisive and not gone to the road right away, he would not have run into the chariot on the side of the road. If the Ethiopian eunuch hadn't decided to commit to this new faith or to be bold and ask for something they knew might be denied them, they would not have been baptized and changed the precedent for the rest of time. That being said, I also fully believe that God would have worked out a new way for that to happen had neither of them made a decision that would reach that conclusion. But the story would be different. Similarly to Philip, UVC, Urban Village Church, made the choice to be fully inclusive and affirming, and, yes, inclusive and affirming from the beginning. But that decision is a decision that we have to continue making every time we get together. It also means we make intentional choices toward queer representation as often as we can. It means that UVC has to make choices about membership and liturgy and conducting weddings that go directly against the denomination that we are connected to. It means that UVC continues to choose to act against the rules, but also chooses to maintain that relationship so that we can have a presence and a voice in important decisions like the one coming up in February on the inclusion of LGBTQ folks in the church. Those are big decisions that we continue to commit to because we feel called by the Spirit to do this new thing, and we have continued to make decisions that support it, even as we do not get direct guidance from the Spirit. Making decisions means listening for the Spirit, but also feeling empowered by the Spirit to continue making decisions that follow our values and the direction that the Spirit pointed us in. It is okay to take a long time to make a decision. We do not need to rush things to be decisive. 
But indecision is also a decision. Indecisiveness leads to exclusion. If Philip hadn't made a decision, but instead told the Ethiopian eunuch that his inclusion in the church was pending based upon a vote of the other apostles back in Jerusalem, then it is unlikely that the Ethiopian eunuch would have felt very seen or included into the church. Similarly, the church today has spent years discussing and being in indecision or purposefully choosing no because it will be too much work to give full inclusion to LGBTQ folks. Many of you have felt that exclusion from the church, and many have given up on church entirely because of it. I'm glad that you're here. For the last 35 days, our country has felt the effects of an impulsive decision as the solution for indecision, which led to the longest government shutdown in history. This meant that thousands of government employees went unpaid for over a month. Now that a decision was finally made to reopen the government for three weeks, many will get back pay at some point for the hours they were obliged to work during the shutdown, but over 1,500 contract workers for the government, people like security, janitors, and hospitality workers, are unlikely to get any back pay. This means that those with the lowest paying jobs of those affected are getting, once again, the least out of this new decision. Other government contracted companies were forced to terminate healthcare as the healthcare provider was not being paid, This healthcare will take one or two weeks to be reinstated now that the shutdown is over. But in the meantime, those employees were told that if they have to go to the doctor or buy some medication, they have to pay the full cost out of pocket while also not getting any wages. And those are just the effects on government employees. SNAP benefits ran out, the FDA was not checking foods, and thousands of people were affected by travel delays. Indecision nearly always has a negative impact on those that could be positively impacted by the decision. We are called with discernment to make decisions effectively. Confident that we have thought things through enough and are making the right decision, one way to escape indecision is by pushing worries and people's opinions away and asking questions like the Ethiopian eunuch in the form, uh, well, instead of asking, why should I do this thing? asking, what is preventing me from doing this, this good thing? What prevents me from doing this exciting, bold, inclusive, relevant, get it, faith thing? It, this is allowing us in those questions to identify straight away the obstacles that impedes us in decision-making. That makes it easier for us to recognize which of these obstacles are legit and should be addressed beforehand and which are just our excuses. Our lives are full of decisions, from very little things to very big things. We must make decisions to move forward, and it is the only way to bring about change. When we bring God into our decision-making, we are trusting God to lead us and trusting God that how we feel guided is true. We are also trusting God that if the decision we made was wrong and we fail, that there will be endless more opportunities to make a good choice. We cannot fear the unknown and the possibility of failing if we make the wrong choice. We know because we love God that moving forward in whatever good way is better than standing still. Jesus said, do not fear. So let's not fear and go forth and boldly decide in the things that matter, asking the Holy Spirit to come along with us for that decision. That will bring us toward love and that can make all of the difference. 
And so, go forth, boldly making decisions, including God in those decisions, and making them, doing them, and living it out. Amen.